Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to another edition of On the Continent, your one-stop shop for everything to do with European football. I'm Dotton Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Nikki Bandini. On this edition of the pod, if and when Portugal take on Italy in the World Cup qualifiers, will it be the navigators asking, is this the way to Al Jazeera? Or will it be the Azuri who never felt more like singing the blues? Also, talk about Jamie. Just when you thought the special one had become very ordinary, along comes Tammy, quite extraordinary. But Rome wasn't built on a hat trick, was it, Nikki? I know, I'm coming to you in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> with, the cost of, with the cost of living and paying players' salaries at an all-time high, how will French clubs balance the books without doing a P&O? Shall we start? Nikki, will Portugal and Italy happen or not? You cut uh, straight to the chase there, aren't course, you? You're not mucking about. Well, this is so cruel because we're recording this on Thursday and the game's in, what, five hours now, six hours? And I have so much less confidence than I should have <laughs> that Italy are going to get through. Um, Don't follow any Australians on Twitter because, of course, they've just lost at home to Japan. Oh, God. Yeah, I so, saw, uh, actually, I think, I think there was a bit of a kickback because Christian Volpato, the uh, Australian-Italian now at Roma, might, mm. have, might have been a bit sort of mocking of Australia's defeat and... Does that mean he's picking a side? I've, <laughs> I've got some Australian people that I follow on Twitter, so I saw that was getting some backlash. Look, um, on paper, mm. there's lots of reasons for Italy to feel confident. They are still... Um, in the midst of a run where, yes, the unbeaten run ended, but under Mancini, they've played, if you include that Spain game, it's 40 games with one defeat in it. So 40 games with one defeat 
And then you've got North Macedonia, who um, certainly have shown that they can they can beat pretty much anyone on their day. They beat Germany uh, last year, and and in fact, the last two games they had against um, Italy were at during the previous World Cup qualifying where they didn't beat them, but they drew one of them and the other one, Immobile had to score in the 92nd minute for Italy to win. So mm. they've, they've certainly got the capability, but they are nevertheless coming into this game. Goran Pandev has retired from international football. We're 100% sure that he's not turning up. <laughs> Unless he jumps out of the, the laundry basket <laughs> before kickoff. Uh, Elgiv Elmas is suspended. He's a uh, um, Napoli player who's, who's been one of the most important players in qualifying. Um, They've changed managers since the Euros. So that's a different manager to the one who, who actually won uh, that game against Germany. On paper, it, it should all be okay. But no, I don't feel confident. Um, part of that is just Italian nervousness. Part of that is because Italy has a long-established tradition of overlooking the small teams sometimes and, and not taking those games as they should. And partly because Italy has problems of their own. You know, I've, I've sold you the, the positive number of Mancini's reign but actually I think in the last nine games so this goes back to the Euro semi-final mm. if you want to talk about 90 minutes of football I think Italy have uh, drawn five of those nine games and lost another one which is one to Spain at the Nations League so mm. they actually have had quite a lot of not won games recently even though they haven't been losing them uh, Chiellini and Bonucci are both um, injured centre-back we don't know if they would be back for the final if they make it to the final yet um, Lorenzo Insigne on the latter attack is in really poor form Federico Chiesa has been out for a long time so you don't have that option anymore there's there's a lot of things that aren't quite right. In fact, if you look at the back four for this game, because Mancini has said, I'm going to keep it simple. We haven't got much time to prepare these games, so we'll rely on what worked for us at the Euros. Well, the back four that Italy will have tonight will be three quarters different from the one that started against England in the Euros final. And the one who is there, Emerson, actually only came into the Euros starting 11 after Spinazzola got injured. Mm. So there's, there's things that are not how you would want them to be before a World Cup playoff and of course every Italian is still scarred because we didn't manage to do it four years ago. So Nikki, you talked about the proliferation of draws in those recent games. I guess the conclusion that casual Italy watchers would make straight away is no centre forward worthy of the rest of the team. So how is it received back home after making the January training camp that Balotelli didn't make this? Is this a definitive end to his Italy career? I don't think it's a definitive end because Mancini, as long as Mancini's there, Mancini has got, I think, an affinity with him, a relationship with him. Obviously, mm. everyone knows that their history going back to to, to City and, and Inter and 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 they have they have a, a rapport. I think Mancini's made really interesting choices in terms of strikers he's brought for these games um, because, and he's talked about it, but he's clearly been very deliberate in giving himself like it's almost like giving himself like a. a um, uh, a, a deck of cards, a, a set of different options that, that are quite distinct from each other. So, okay, you've got Immobile and Bilotti, who are your number nines at the Euros. They alternated. Neither of them has ever really scored at, at an international level at the same level as they, they do at club level. I mean, with Immobile, it's striking. You know, he's, he's averages, I think, a goal about every, um, I think it's about 0.7 of a goal every game. And in, for Italy, it's close to 0.3. But the other three he's brought along, Gianluca Scamacca, six foot four and then some giant mm. physical centre forward who really sort of can impose himself. His Sassuolo teammate, Giacomo uh, Raspadori, who is the opposite, is this sort of tiny, diminutive, almost, I mean, 
I don't mean to do this like a quality comparison, but stylistically, perhaps a Michael Owen type of striker, you know, mm. someone who's really going to try and, and use that pace to get in behind people. And then Joao Pedro, who's got the first time call up instead of Balotelli, because that was really the last spot. And the reason he went for Joao Pedro is, well, this is a really technical forward who can play as the seconda punta, the, mm. the second centre forward, who can maybe play on the wings, who just brings something different to the to the set. And so I think that was a really deliberate choice for this game and potentially for the final if they get there was I want to give myself a full deck of options and then I can look at how a game is going and I can say, well, this is the sort of striker I think I need. There's a lot in that. Um, of course, there are two sides to whether Italy uh, will face Portugal yeah. next week or not. Um, North Macedonia, uh, one hurdle, and that's all Greek to me. But what about the ones that uh, Portugal will have to face? The hurdles, that is. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we talked about this on the Ramble earlier. And I, I think I'm banned from being optimistic about Turkey after the Farago of the summer, which might have been a framing error. It wasn't completely me. But any, 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 anyway, um, it's, it's clear that they've, they've, they've got a bit more of a plan, Turkey, under uh, Stefan Kuntz, the, the, the former... Um, Germany under 21 coach who took over from Senor Gunesh after well they just looked really poorly coached at the Euros they didn't just play badly they looked really disorganised really really disorganised um, there's still quality there I've, I think it's really hard to, to to call a few issues about Portugal versus Turkey Portugal are, are, are still favourites I don't think there's any doubt about that especially as they're they're at home at Porto but um I think just finishing off on Turkey before we go to Portugal and talking about that hurdle, Don. I think one of the the big things is Burak Yilmaz, who has looked his age this season, a bit like Luis Suarez. Actually, it felt that Burak Yilmaz was kind of a low key Luis Suarez, you know, mid thirties striker with something to prove. Last season, played a huge part in Lille winning the title. He's not played terribly. He's finished terribly for most of this season, and that that could be an issue coming into this. Even though he's he's played better in the the, the last couple of weeks, but going on to Portugal, I do think that's relevant. How Turkey can get it going in the final third, because of course you talked about Italy's back four being being compromised. Nicky, well, three of the first choice. Um, back four for for Portugal aren't, aren't there, so you know you've got Joao Cancelo suspended for this, this first game. No, <laughs> it's be a lot of goals if they meet. Let, let's hope so. <laughs> no, no, Nelson Semedo, no Pepe, who uh, got COVID nineteen. Um, Ruben Dias is is injured for for, for for this. We've got a few more injury dropouts. Uh, Joao Palinha of of, of of Sporting is is, is not there, um, and I think Portugal have issues. I think you look at. Um, Bruno Fernandes' form has not been brilliant. Obviously, the, the click between him and Cristiano Ronaldo at international level has, has been questionable anyway. And I, I think you look at Ronaldo, who, you know, I, I think we've we've talked a lot, haven't we, over the last couple of years, Nicky, about, you know, what Ronaldo provides you with when he's not scoring in a Juventus context. Now, obviously, that is a, something that's been discussed more and more in English football culture since he's come back to, 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 to Manchester United and people have asked, is it leaving him, et cetera, et cetera. He responds with a hat trick, <laughs> you know, rinse, repeat. That's, that's, that's what happens. I mean, 
the discussion with Ronaldo in Portugal back home has, has moved on significantly in the last year and a half because the way his teammates and the media talked about him, it was almost rehearsed before. You have to say, el melhor do mundo. He, he's the best in the world. You, you always have to say that. It's, it's just not possible to say his name without reinforcing he's the best in the world, he's better than Messi, and th- th- there's no argument about it. But now they've moved past that, where now I think if you asked a lot of, certainly Portuguese media, but, but fans as well, they wouldn't say he's the best player in the team anymore. And that's been a gradual progression over since 2016 when Fernando Santos created this system. And, you know, maybe this is a last chance saloon for him. I think it is. Um, he created this system to minimise what Ronaldo had to do off the ball mm. and create a system where he's served. But we know what he can do. And Portugal especially that they're past that conversation that people in England are having at the moment. What does Ronaldo give you off the ball? It doesn't even matter. You provide him with the chances, he's going to score. You don't provide him with the chances and he's probably not doing much. But this is, I think it's an interesting conversation because as an, as an Italian, like I am sort of convinced that if Italy make it past North Estonia, which I'm not certain of, mm. then of course Ronaldo, who spent that time in Italy, is going to score the goal that knocks Italy out. It's inevitable, like in my head. <laughs> um, but there was a point made in, in Gazetta this morning, you know, because Portugal do have a real abundance of, of talent up front these days, which is, is you know, a change from... You know, from from not so long ago, it feels like. Well, from tw- twenty sixteen when they played two wingers up front, yeah. basically, yeah. But but Gazetta sort of listed it in in this morning's edition where they said, you know, so far in twenty twenty two, the calendar year, Ronaldo four goals, no assists, Diogo Jota seven goals and an assist, Andre Silva seven goals, three assists, <laughs> Rafael Leao six goals, three assists, Joao Felix six goals, four assists. Like it's like <laughs> they're trying to sort of really sort of highlight that. I think the real question is, there... is can any of them play centre back? <laughs> Okay, on this note, a godly Martinelli has got in touch on Twitter and do feel free to send us your tweets anytime during the course of the week at Andy Brassel, at Nicky Bandini, at Football Ramble or at Dotson Adibio. And Godley's uh, tweet is, for which nation would failure to qualify for the World Cup cause more embarrassment? Italy with their... Uh, tag as uh, European champions or Portugal with their vast array of individual stars. It's Italy because Italy missed last time. Missing two World Cups in a a row, having not missed any for 60 years is... And having been the European champions in between. It's it's really anomalous. It would be catastrophic. Like it would be such a setback after the positivity of, of two years ago and the feeling that actually there was this movement towards something better and younger. And I think it would be really anomalous and freakish and and you think Italy Italy are in this position because Jorginho missed penalties both games against Switzerland it was so avoidable to even be mm. in this position there is such a difference between this team and the one that missed out in 2017 going into 2018 World Cup because that team was bad and playing badly under Giampiero Ventura and had no faith in its leader whatsoever this team is capable as we've seen of doing good things so to not do it um from that position would be really, really disastrous, but, I think. But that's what makes this scenario so remarkable. When you talked about it being so avoidable, mm. it's the same with Portugal. You know, in that last qualifying game against Serbia, they score and then they think, well, you know, we've got this in hand. We only need to draw. Let's just keep them at arm's length. And it, and it doesn't work at all. And that is maybe where the Fernando Santos approach starts to unravel. Because, of course, ever since 
Euro 2016, you know, the quality of the squad has gone up. Mm. The quality of the performances and the extent of the achievements has, has, has gone down. And I think you could argue he's integrated some of those flair players into the setup better than people might have expected them to, him to. But that doesn't mean that there's not someone else better to do it. And I think that's that's the thing. You're sort of juxtaposed because there would be a sense that Portugal could at least move on if they didn't qualify for this World Cup because Fernando Santos is gone if they don't qualify. There's absolutely no question about that and he's been open about that. Then again, look at Ronaldo. Look at where he is. How can they not make it to the World Cup? It's his last World Cup. And may I just add very quickly onto this, because we've been talking about strikers. Um, Balotelli, an ageing striker, you could argue, and certainly Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> There's one more ageing striker in all of this mix, which is Latan, uh, with an Italian connection, as we know, and questions about his retirement at the age of 40 now. Um, well, they've been there for a certain while. Sweden, as a country as a footballing nation, is still very much hoping that Zlatan will... He's, he's bound for the next match against Czech Republic, but still very much hoping and hanging their hopes on Zlatan. For the final but, against Poland, well, if they get not? there. Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Well, exactly. And I, I, I don't know what you think, Nicky, but I just feel that with him not signed for Milan next season, with the injuries catching up with him a bit, with the fact that he's turned 40 and just his rhetoric at the, at, at the moment, you know, he's, he's almost moving to talking not about himself, not just in the third person, but in the past tense. And I think there's quite a change in the way that he's talking about himself and talking about his career as something that he's almost putting behind him. I, I mean, are people in Italy noting that? Well, there's still talk of a contract. There could be some sort of transitional contract between a playing career and even like a directorial career, which is an interesting idea. Like there's, there's not, it's not a done deal that he won't be back playing next season. No, but say, say for example, let, let, let me let me put forward a, a not impossible scenario. Sweden don't make the World Cup in December. Milan do win the Scudetto. <laughs> Does he finish it? I think it would be a pretty attractive prospect, wouldn't it? Especially if he's involved in that final part of the season and 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 gets to ride out on a high. I think he's had a really, I think he's really enjoyed this last chapter in back at Milan. I think it feels like it sort of completes a story for him to be this sort of father figure and and have all these young players taking um, taking things from him. But I just, I, I would never say never with Zlatan. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's playing again next season, even if it seems like from the outside that would be a, a neat ending to the story. Order, order. There's much more to talk about. Pergomi, <laughs> Shirea, Tardelli. So, in the Rome derby, or if you like, the battle for Rome, it was an Englishman that made all the difference. Nicky, um, 
Jammy for, not Tammy, but for the special one. He didn't score a hat-trick. Yeah, in your, I in your know, intro. I know. He almost did. He <laughs> you, can't, you can't believe he that that third one didn't go in still. Well, it would have helped my pun if it did. <laughs> this You're like, I'm not going to let his my pun suffer from his finishing. That's, that's what you put out indeed, there, isn't it? Indeed. And, and you know, if he'd done it, I think he would have done something that I don't think even Francesco Totti ever scored a hat-trick in the derby. So yeah, like it would have been big thing. It's rare to score a hat-trick in the, in the Rome derby. He so. was having a super time in the oh, stand, he was, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was all these memes about uh, impressing dad of the Ralph <laughs> like up in the stand. Um, but yeah, Tammy was 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 brilliant and has been brilliant. Um, you know, he's he's scored uh, 23 goals now across all competitions, which is, I feel like I've repeated the sentence a lot in the last week. But yeah, it's more than Batistuta or Montella got in their first seasons at, at, at Roma. It's, it's a really impressive season. And I think um, he was already without question someone who had been embraced and and was loved by the the Roma supporters but of course when you do it in the derby when you score two goals in the derby and 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 set your team up to win 3-0 then of course that secures you a sort of permanent place in 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 people's affections and um it's, it's, I think it feels so corny sometimes to just talk about that with a derby because I think people think, yeah, you know, we all have derbies, every team has derbies, but I, I really don't think I can sort of stress enough like how Rome does operate around these six years. Like Rome, the, the football culture, the, the discussions that happen amongst supporters really do orbit around these games every year and how important they are in the sort of fan psyche that these things really don't get forgotten and he scored the fastest ever goal in a Rome derby so or at least a Serie A Rome derby so he he will be now part of sort of a permanent part of folklore and I think the question that I that I wonder for myself is I find it really interesting because you've got Fikayo Tomori playing at Milan at the same time as Abraham is playing at Roma and both of them of course they're mates, like they know each other from Chelsea. They 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 talk to each other all the time. They're they're really close, and I think Tamori, from day one, has been all in on this Italian journey. Like he's, um, you know, I actually spoke to him recently. He told me like I always wanted to live abroad. I wanted to have experience, and and that's something that he's completely embrace and and I well after the Napoli game when he did that interview in very very good Italian that's something that caught a, a, a bit of publicity over here wasn't it yeah absolutely and 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 in Italy people adore it and and who knows he he could still be back at the Premier League in a year or two's time that might still be the path that he ends up on but I think with Tamori it was really clear that this was like a life choice that he was excited about to go and do that with Abraham I would I've never been sure not that I'm saying he doesn't but he's never he's never sold that story and indeed, like when he talks about the transfer and like how it came about, like, you know, he's he's been open. It took him a few days to come around to it, you know, and 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 it was a call from Mourinho that sort of persuaded him. And he, and he clearly loves Mourinho. And that's a really interesting dynamic. But I was just watching at the end of this game when he's under the Cordova and you had that sort of call and response going on of of, of someone shouts Tammy or the or the, um, the the PA shouts Tammy and the whole crowd doing the Abram, which is you know, just <laughs> and I think it really left an impression on him. Like I really like I don't know if this will change the story. He likewise could be back in England in a year. In fact, Chelsea have an option to buy him back for eighty million, which would be. I'm not sure if they can all their money for the next five years. But I wonder. I wonder if this is one of those occasions that that even though he was already playing brilliantly, I wonder if the occasion of the derby and having that experience becomes like a 
I don't know. I think this will be a really memorable point from whatever happens in his career next. But but right, he looked like the guy for the occasion. It wasn't just yeah. the goals. Yeah, the it's, between it's, his teeth, he, literally. He, you know? he, he did. And, and, and like the all-round play was fantastic. He linked play brilliantly. He did all the rough stuff that you need to do in a, a, a Mourinho team. He led the line so well, all of that stuff. But you talked about him being in his element. I, I kind of felt that about Mourinho as well. Yeah. I mean, in the week before, it, well, in the days before, he's playing the hits. You know, he gets into it about, well, he got into it with Zeman, didn't he? Where um, he sort of recycled his old line that he did with Ranieri in 2010, where he said, you know, I could I could take criticism from you because Zeman had said, um, I think Sarri's doing a better job at Lazio than mm. Mourinho's doing at, at Roma. And he said, well, you know, I could take that from Trapattoni or Capello, but I've won 25 trophies and this guy's won Serie B twice, so you can't be serious. There's a classic bit of Mourinho there. Which is then, brave, by the way, because Zeman is still loved by a lot of Roma supporters, yeah. even though he didn't win with them. So like, that's going after someone who has affection, and I think it shows how confident Mourinho is in his relationship with the Roma supporters. Yeah, well, that, that, that was the thing. I mean, we talked about this on, on the show a while back, Nicky, the fact that what really struck me, especially when I was in Rome recently, about we have a very cynical post United and Tottenham view of Jose. The Roma fans are really bought in on him still, mm. really bought in on him. But I think that's been quite justified in, in recent weeks. Since the second half of that game I went to against Verona, where he brought on the young guys and Zalewski and Bove and Volpato, who we were talking about before, mm. kind of kind of saved him or saved the team in the second half there. They've stepped up a level. Um, they've, they've looked pretty tidy in, in recent weeks. And this, to me, felt like some sort of watershed for Mourinho. Because not only do you win the derby, do you win the derby emphatically? Do your guys, which of which Abraham is one, get it done? But it felt to me like, I can't remember the last time I came away from a match involving a Mourinho team and thinking his selection and tactics were absolutely mm-hmm. spot on. Yeah. I, I think there was a moment after the um, the free kick, amazing free kick, what by the way. Kick? By Pellegrini, yeah. That. that was absolutely amazing. When Tammy Abram is running towards a crowd and he's doing one of those where they point their forefinger to their head, to their temples on each side. Still nil nil, lads. Well, yeah. no, 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 not that, not that. It was kind of intelligence, intelligence mm. you know and i think you can see that in the play that roma had there were times when they could have just bombed ahead forwards towards the goal because they were in the ascendancy but actually what they did was hold back a little bit pass the ball amongst themselves and almost tiptoe their way towards uh, mm. the goal mouth and i thought hmm, there is a strategy here they're not just running after a ball uh, how much of that is due to i'm um, presuming most of it is due to jose Mourinho. Yeah, I I think um you know, I, I think it's I don't know, I, I, I sort of don't want to go to to sort of too extremes with this performance and the situation that are because I think this season is still in the big picture of mixed bag. And I think you have to mm. now finish strongly to prove that this is a trajectory and not just a moment. Because, yeah. I mean, as you talked about with that uh, Verona game, we just to throw all the kids on and it worked out. There's been a lot of late goals for the Roma recently. This is a game they won from the start, but there's been a lot of games recently where it's felt like things aren't going great. Empty the bench and someone comes up with a solution. Um, but I think that the buy-in from the most important players at Roma is starting to become evident. Tammy Abraham is is 
absolutely all on board the Mourinho sort of um, wagon, you know, he talks about still sort of seeing him as this superstar in his eyes and, and being bowled over by him. But I think that you, you need to look at other players as well, like Pellegrini, who is the captain, who is probably the single most important player to get playing well, because even more than Abraham, I think he's the core of the project and he's having his best season in it on my shirt. That's sort of one part of the picture. And another part of the picture is all of this money that was spent on players like Shamaradov, who just seemed to be out the window and, and cast aside. And the fact they've got this rematch now coming up with Bodo Glimt is so fascinating to me. Yes. Because Don't laugh. Lars will have your what's it for garters. But like, honestly, like they, you know, Mourinho said even this last week, that was, you know, that, I think he basically said that was the worst result of my whole career. So now the redemption arc is set, right? You win that game, you win the Conference League, you finish, even he said you probably can't finish fourth now, but you finish fifth. Mm. And this story feels like it's going somewhere great. On the other hand, if it doesn't go that way, if you get turfed out by Bodo Glimt and lose them again, there's still a very different ending to this story that can happen. They were brilliant against against um, Lazio and, and I think they, they did get their strategy exactly right. I think the big thing for me in that game is, you know, Roma had played in midweek against um, against uh, Vitesse and and they all the expectation in my head was they would be knackered. And yet they came out with all the sort of high press, the aggression, the go for the result from the very first minute. And I think that was exactly what they needed because if they started slow, then the heavy legs come in. Whereas Mourinho was like, no, go straight for their neck from the beginning. And I think that was the right, the right pick for that game and it worked. Um, yeah, I, I want to keep my sort of my final judgment for the end, but it's it's interesting. No, you, you have to give us your final judgment on one of the <laughs> other players that have come into Roma uh, because Lewis has sent us a... Lewis or Louis, depending where you're coming from, has sent us a tweet saying, how is Maitland-Niles doing at Roma and is he playing centre mid? I lived in St. Louis for a while and the amount of people who'd call it St. Louis and then people would get annoyed about it. Um, <laughs> St. Louis... Um, Lewis or Louis, uh, Maitland-Niles started okay, had a really um, rough first game against Juventus, but then had a couple of better ones, played well against Empoli. I remember him playing really well in that game. Lately, he's just not in the team, which, you know, in that very Mourinho way I was just alluding to, it feels like sometimes you're either one of his guys or you're not. And lately it feels like maybe Maitland-Niles isn't. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a good way. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. Not the kind of doctor who'd be able to help much if you're having like a heart attack. But if you're wondering about quantum physics or the theory of matter, he's your man. Well, probably. Every week we're asking a new puzzling question from the world of science and discovering the answer with the help of a world-leading expert. Like, will we ever talk to animals? They are definitely talking. You know, that's, again, a word that I would qualify because we usually mean that vocally. But in their own ways, they're talking to us every single day. Are face transplants the future of cosmetic surgery? Given that range of what's considered attractive, there's probably no point wanting to change your face to be more attractive if you follow science. And should we fear an alien invasion? If an imperialistic drive brings uh, other civilizations to us, then obviously it's not good news. But if it's scientific exploration, it may be good news. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about the weird, magnificent world around us, then this is the show for you. Eureka. Subscribe now and find us on Twitter at EurekaPod. New episodes every Wednesday. Eureka is a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Okay, we've just had the uh, spring statement from the Chancellor here. The price of, well, the cost of living is going up, but apparently not for the French superstars in Ligue 1. I'm talking mostly about Paris Saint-Germain, whose wage bill is a phenomenal 40% of the total wage bill for that league. Can they afford it? For the moment, um, (laughs) I guess the question really is, can they afford the culture that it that it, that it represents? Um, because, of, of course, we've, we've seen the numbers. We've seen the fact that, what, 24, 22 of the top 24 paid players are um, PSG players, which maybe we'd come to expect, of course, that Mauricio Pochettino earns more than three times the next highest paid coach, which is uh, Jorge Sampaoli at... Um, uh, Marseille, but I guess it does kind of bring home. I think the timing from a PSG perspective 
it's delicious really, isn't it? Because obviously there's a lot of talk about the culture of the club, the superstar culture of the club. And you know what? It, it reminds me of a chat that we were having a, a, a while ago, Nikki, when we were talking about the perception with Juventus, for example, is that it, it's Cristiano Ronaldo's wages what kippered them, basically. <laughs> you know, if you pay him 31 million euros a year, you've got no flexibility. The other part of that that people mention less is these free, in inverted commas, signings that they've made, where you lumber yourself with these albatross contracts that you're never going to be able to squeeze out from under because those players are going to want to... Why are they going to want to go somewhere else to do more work for less money? So, you know, we can talk about um, Neymar, for example, getting paid over €4 million euros a month and he's not but, even the highest earner for PSG uh, no no Neymar's the highest earner Neymar oh yeah. I thought it was um, Messi that was no, the highest no, earner uh, Messi, Messi only, only earns a mere 3.375 uh, million euros a month um, but the ones that get me and you know we talked about the the, the, the um, say Sergio Ramos deal which has obviously worked out terribly for them I think it's interesting when you get down to the point where you're paying Leandro Paredes 750 grand a month, mm. when you're paying Juan Bernat 730 a month, Julian Draxler five, 562,000 a month, um, Levin Kazawa this half is euros, a million a month. By the way, this is euros. We... Let's not confuse it. I mean, it's a lot of cash. <laughs> there, 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 there's, there's no getting away from it. Do we know if these are sort of um, if these are these are gross rather than net figures? I get mixed up about which one is weak. So is that your take home or is that your... No, no, uh, that's that's net. before tax. Before, yeah. before tax. Because yeah. initially they always report the numbers as your your, you know, your take home once the tax has been applied. But I was thinking, you know, Neymar, so this, this doesn't quite uh, match up then because you've got to work out the tax part of it. But Neymar at four million a month, the highest paid player in Serie A now that Ronaldo has gone, I think is Matthias de Ligt, and he's on eight million euros a year take home. Right. So that's in a year. A year. You know, two months worth of Neymar, um, but I suppose it's it's not quite. So it's, it's it's nearly it's nearly Neymar's getting nearly four times that, even if you yeah. work out the tax bit. Yeah. yeah. Having said that, that's PSG though. Um, the rest of them come a long way after that. In fact, yeah, half although, price in comparison. Although the interesting thing, although, although Monaco have always been in an individual situation, mm. obviously because there's such little tax in, involved and, and and none to none to foreigners. But when you look at say. Vissan Benyeda on 650 grand a month. Cesc Fabregas, who is wonderful to watch on his day still, <laughs> 600 grand a month. This is the bit that I wonder whether you can sustain. And so we can talk about the depth of Paris Saint-Germain's expenditure. I think it's more the culture it creates in that you've got these series of absolutely immovable contracts. If you're talking about we want to you know, start a culture change at the club. How? How do you get rid of those players? And, and and never mind, you know, we think of the top line, Dotton quite rightly, as Neymar and Messi. But for me, it's when you get to Paredes, Draxler, and Herrera, Kazama, who's turned down more moves than most players get offer in, offered in a career in the last year and a half. Because why? Why would he want to go anywhere? If, if, if you're in Paris and earning, uh, earning a ton of money and you're having a super life, why would you want to go anywhere? I, I think the interesting thing is, though, to see what the other clubs do this summer. I mean, when, it, when we're talking about going forward, I tend to think, like, say a team like Wren are in the best position because 
I think you look at them and they've spent money on transfer fees in the last couple of years since they first qualified for the Champions League. Still got a very strong academy and they've they've actually cut their wage bill. They've they've lost a couple of big earners. Um, you look at uh, Clement Grenier and Banyang who don't play for them anymore. Their top earner gets about 200 a month, a little less than that. And it's a far more healthy situation. Now, Leon are looking at a situation where they're going to have to strip away a, a, a few big owner, earners this summer that they're, they're hoping to... Um, they're hoping to um, get rid of uh, Lucas Pacatar for quite a big transfer fee. I would be surprised if Jerome Boateng uh, is, is still there, who's their, their joint top earner now with Ndombele. Now he's, he's there going into next year. But I think, you know, French clubs have had COVID-19. Then they've had the Media Pro TV deal falling That's apart. That's the issue, isn't it? That's it's, a big issue. It's a, it's a big issue. So the continuous expense you have, because I think sometimes we still look, Nikki, too closely at wage uh, uh, transfer fees mm-hmm. rather than wages because the wages Definitely. are the thing you're you're lumbered with forever, right? Definitely. I think that's exactly it. And I think that the, the wages are what makes it, as you've just talked about, so hard to move a player on. Um, I think that when... It's a it's a really interesting dynamic that happens now when when we sort of report on players sort of signings and transfer dealings. I think fans look primarily at oh this player would cost this much in the transfer fee, and the real calculation that's going on. Say to, to pull an example, it's in my head just because it's in my head. The the, the Paolo Dybala um, situation, events where they're now looking like they're not going to renew him. Um, and clearly that's the decision they've took. Nevertheless, the, the calculation you make as Juventus when you're thinking is not just um, what his um, wages are going to be if you renew. It's if we multiply out his wages by the number of years that we've got him for, that's the fee you're paying for him in effect. Yes. Whereas if we sign someone else, we've got to pay a transfer fee and then their wages for the number of years are going to be there. And those calculations, I think, are talked about much less in football reporting than they are in football boardrooms. And if you sign a younger player, maybe smaller wages mm. as, as, as well. If, if you're re-upping someone who's got status, who's 29. I mean, I, I do wonder, I think it's quite interesting in the last couple of years. I think Paris w- will already regret the extension they gave Julian Draxler because they could have let him go on a free in the very recent past. And instead they've, they've, they've signed him to a new deal. He's Played very little less, a very little more since since that's happened, and you've had quite a few situations where not not big clubs who aren't the elite, but actual elite clubs have signed a deal with a with a big player and almost immediately regretted it. I mean, you know, I, I think you have this at Arsenal with Özil and Aubameyang in the recent past. Bale at Real Madrid. I mean, that's the one, you know, the ink's not even dry on the contract and they're thinking, shit, what have we done here? And then you're trying every trick in the book to get rid of that player. And, you know, you you had that. If you you go back, like the best part of a decade, really, and Inter, post-treble win, they realise they're spending an unsustainable amount the lengths they go to to try and dump Wesley Snyder, who was a hero of that treble winning side and, you know, arguably should have been the Ballon d'Or that year. And all of a sudden, they're, they're trying to shove him out the door. I think that's actually what is so fascinating for me about the, the Dybala situation is I don't think that Juventus don't see value in Dybala. They absolutely do. But I think they've got this really recent experience of Aaron Ramsey, who they got on the hook with and who then was just not available over and over again, mm. not healthy so much. 
And Dybala's been missing, you know, 15 odd games a season with injury. And I think they're just thinking if we sign another long contract with you and your body continues to get further deterioration, like injuries continue to stack up, we're going to end up in exactly the same position where we're going to have an expensive asset that we can't move. Just on the note of Dybala, Steve asks, where is he off to? Good question. Um, I think Inter are going to have a very serious look, especially with the difficulties they've had scoring goals recently. Beppe Marotta is a fan, but I think it's it's very much open still. And I think he will explore his options in Spain as well. He's turned down moves to the Premier League twice already, at least twice. He's turned down Manchester United and Tottenham in the past couple of years um, that I know of. So there could be more. Um So I I get the impression the Premier League is not his first thought. But having said that, he turned them down also because he he really loved being at Juventus. And I think he's genuinely, I think he's on a personal level really shaken up by not being able to stay there. So I think his mind is not made up yet at all. Atletico's an interesting link, isn't it, Nicky? Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you think he uh, benefits or otherwise from the Diego Simeone workout programme? I think that'd be fascinating because he's such a luxury player. You know, he can be infuriating because he can be brilliant, but he also does disappear at times and 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 disappoint at times. And I, I think that dynamic sometimes of a ferocious workhorse manager with a player like that can be, it can make or break, can't it? Sometimes it works brilliantly and sometimes it doesn't. I hope you've been keeping count, by the way, Andy. <clears throat> because Josh uh, says, how many times has Andy mentioned that he predicted that West Ham would beat Sevilla since last week? How, how many? Very few, actually. <laughs> uh, th- thanks for the reminder, Josh. I'm going to do it more. I'm going to do it more. No, Sevilla have been on fumes for weeks now and um, we've seen that in La Liga too so yeah not 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 surprised to me and it won't be surprised to me just to get ahead of the game uh, when West Ham beat Leon and make it to the semi-finals just as well keep, keep the arithmetic to one side okay there's okay. another question here from Craig um, any information on Leon from Andy Brassel ahead of the Europa quarter final yeah th- great. Th- there you go well there was a bit of a spoiler alert in that poss- <laughs> possibly um Leon were really good in most of the last 16 tie against Porto. They were excellent in the away leg. Um, a little bit nervy in places, but comfortable enough in the second leg when uh, Sergio Conceição left left out a couple of his, his, his bigger players. Um, Leon have the players to beat anyone in that competition on their day. And um, the, the blend in midfield where you've got Kakare, who... You know, I think will be the next captain of the club. Um, where you've got Lucas Pacatar, who we were talking about before, who when he shows up is is, is fantastic. Roman Fev, who's settling nicely, and of course the the aforementioned Tanguy and Dombele as well. Um, I th- I think West Ham will beat them because Leon essentially are very poorly coached, and I, I don't think that's just on Peter Bosch. I, th- I think it's on it on his team as well. But uh, they're, they're really disorganised. They're 10th in league 1 for a reason. They do not deserve to be any higher. Um, with the squad they've got, that's that's pretty unacceptable. Um, this is getting to a point where not only are they not going to qualify for the Champions League, this is maybe their last shot at a European place for next season. It's remarkable that they could end up in the, in, in the Champions League if they were to go on and win that, which I, I don't see happening. Um, the, the difficulty for them is... Bosch's defensive system, which is a recurring theme in his coaching. Every time Leon loses the ball, they look like they're going to concede a goal. 
And I think West Ham can really take advantage of that. Well, normally at this time, we would ask both of you for your recommendations for a game of the week. We know what it is. If it happens... Hypothetical game of the week. Yeah, well, no need to go there. I'll see you in Porto. (laughs) (laughs) No, the important thing is what would we eat to it? Um, Portugal versus Italy. Um, Any suggestions? Bacalhau Brás. I think it's heading towards that that time of the year where you you need something. I was going to say something fishy, but... um, so something, Portugal. something, something fresh. Sardines, of course. So many different ways of a back of the hour. I mean, you're going to have to if if it does turn out to be a Portugal Italy final, you're going to have to nail your colours to the mast, aren't you? Yeah, God, I don't know. I suppose who are we trying to who are we trying to to invoke here? I mean, we've got this Italy team that's before is a bit stuck in its past. Insigne has been in such bad form. Maybe we need Andy Mobile as well. Maybe we need something Neapolitan. Uh, that would just be a classic margarita pizza just to invoke the spirit of Naples and get them <laughs> without, their best. Without the Portuguese tomato ketchup on it. Football Ramble Presents is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.